You will notice from the cover of your bulletin that it's Women's History Month and that we will be honoring all month uh, trailblazing women in business and society. I have a quote for you this morning from author Mandy Hale, and it goes like this. She says, if God closes a door and a window, consider the fact that it might be time to build a new house. Now, I'll admit, I don't know anything about Mandy Hale. I'm not sure if she was a trailblazing woman in business or society, but I really like this quote. (laughs) I have no idea if you should read her work or not, but, but we do need to think about the fact that sometimes we just have to leave the past behind. We have to look somewhere else. We have to start over with a whole new house. That's what Jesus is getting at when he goes into the temple and starts flipping over tables and kicking people out. This gospel reading that we just heard a moment ago is all about Jesus closing the door, shutting the window, and telling everyone to start looking for a new house. And as usually is the case, Jesus could just as easily be saying these words to us this morning. I've titled my sermon, Shut It Down and Start Over. Please pray with me. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O God. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Amen. I really like being your pastor, but... There's a part of me that thinks I could have a career in technology. I don't have a ton of experience with computers. I know a little bit about websites and social media, and I know a little bit less about the inner workings of computer programs and operating systems, but I really think that I could work in IT. Here's why. 90% of IT problems, I made that statistic up, but still, 90% of IT problems can be solved with one simple trick. There's one trick that seems to be able to fix any scanner, copier, computer, cell phone, or modem. Do you know what the trick is? Yeah, turn it off. Unplug it. Count to 20. And start over. If the copy machine isn't working, no problem. Unplug it, count to 20, restart the machine. If your cell phone's not working, just take the battery out, count to 20, pop it back in, and you're good to go. Internet's not working in your house? No big deal. Just unplug that modem, count to 20, and you're back online. I wish all of life's problems were this easy to solve. Shut it down and start over and then everything will be fine. Obviously, it doesn't always work like that. But I do think there's some portions of our life where we can apply this wisdom from the IT world. In fact, I think... The season of Lent, this church season we find ourselves in right now, is kind of like just one big reset button. The church has this 40-day period where we're encouraged to slow down, to give something up, to fast, to unplug, to clear the deck so that we can be prepared to start over with the resurrected Jesus on Easter Sunday. Easter is all about a fresh start and new life, but first we've got to unplug And since it's Lent and it's 40 days long, we'll unplug and count to 40. And then we'll start over with a new way of life on Easter Sunday. 
unplug, count to 40, and start over. Shut it down and restart. These themes aren't just found in our church calendar either. Jesus talked about this stuff a lot as well. If you would, please turn with me to our gospel reading for today. It's John chapter 2. It's on page 81 in the New Testament if you're using the Pew Bibles. Um, If you've got your own Bible, you're on your own. Uh, But bonus points for bringing your Bible to church. Uh, And if you've got it on your cell phone, that's okay. You can find it pretty easily then. We'll begin at verse 13 where it reads, The Passovers of the Jews was near and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. We'll stop there. A little background for you on some of the finer details of this text. The temple, where all of this is taking place, the temple was the holiest place of worship. It's the absolute center of religious life for the Jewish people. And not only that, but the text tells us that Jesus went to the temple during Passover, which was the holiest of holidays. So when Jesus walked into the temple that day, it would have been extremely crowded. People would have come from far and wide to worship in the temple, especially during Passover. And so imagine that there are hundreds of thousands of people packed into this temple, and before they go into worship, they need to make sure that they have an animal to offer as a sacrifice. Now that can get a little bit tricky, because there were specific standards back then about the types of animals that could be sacrificed. And additionally, there were specific standards about what condition those animals needed to be in. And so, if you were traveling all the way to Jerusalem for Passover, you would never travel with a dove or a sheep or cattle. There's little chance that the animal would survive the journey. And not only that, but even if the animal did survive, it would then be in no condition to be offered as a sacrifice. And now the merchants, the merchants in Jerusalem, they understood all of this. And so they set up a shop in the temple with doves and sheep and cattle in pristine condition. And day after day, thousands of people, fresh off their long journey to Jerusalem, passed by the merchant stalls looking for an appropriate animal to sacrifice. Oh, but there's another layer to all this as well. Because in those days, there, were, there weren't just laws about the types of animals that could be sacrificed. There were also laws about what type of money you could use in the temple. The temple was the house of the Lord, and so the chief priest said that it was sinful to use Roman currency in God's house. If you were going to purchase anything in the temple, you had better be sure that you're paying with something that doesn't have Caesar's face on it. And now the money changers, they understood all of this. 
And so they set up shop in the temple, knowing that there would be thousands of people traveling to that spot, looking to exchange their Roman currency for something more appropriate. And so during the holiest holiday of the year, Jesus journeys to the holiest house of worship and he sees Money changers, helping people get the right currency. And merchants, helping people get the right type of animal for sacrifice. And he sees thousands of thousands of people working and working and working to try and get everything done just right so that they can properly worship their God. Jesus sees all of this and essentially he says, shut it down. You have turned the house of God into a marketplace, Jesus roars. The simple act of worshiping God has suddenly become this complicated system of financial services, exchange rates, and impulse buys. This life-giving act of worshiping the Lord in the holy temple during Passover has become a series of tests and stressors for the Jewish people. Do you have the right kind of money? Do you have the right kind of sacrifice? Have you done everything absolutely correctly? Shut it down and start over, Jesus says. He's so upset because he sees that worship has been turned into work. Grace has been traded for goods. Alleluias have been sold down the river for anxiety. Not that. Not that anything like this could ever happen to us. We can become so focused on getting everything absolutely right that we can lose the very heart of worship. Of course we want our worship gatherings to run smoothly. We expect certain aspects of the service to be included, but the truth is, at the end of the day, Worship and our life of faith needs to simply be about a relationship with God and nothing more. Worshiping God shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't involve money changers and shrewd merchants and long checklists of how to do it right. In short, worship shouldn't feel like work. It's funny because God tried to warn us about all of these tendencies at the very beginning. Look with me at our Old Testament reading for today. It's when God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelite people. It's Exodus chapter 20. That's going to be page 61 in the Old Testament of the Pew Bibles. Page 61. We begin at the first verse where it reads, Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. We'll stop there. God goes on to give ten or nine more commandments, but notice the preface to the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of slavery in Egypt. You were once slaves, God says, but we're not going to do it that way anymore. You see, God wants nothing to do with slavery. 
God doesn't want the Israelites to be working all day and night like they were in Egypt. God doesn't want the Israelites to be living in fear that they're going to do something wrong. When you're a slave, that's how your life works. You never get to rest, and you're constantly worried that you're going to mess something up. And so God is saying to the Israelite people, shut it down and start over. Here's 10 new commandments that will govern your life. And these commandments, God says, these commandments aren't being given to you so that you can just be slaves to a new master. No, 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 no. We're done with that. These commandments are given so that you can discover real life. When Jesus went to the temple, he saw a house of worship turned into a marketplace where everyone was worried and working. It was as if all the people had gone back to slavery in Egypt. The temple of the Lord was meant to be a place of rest and renewal. But instead it was a marketplace where people lived in fear. Where everyone was working to try and get their religion done just right. And it can still happen like this today. Our walk of faith is meant to be a gentle way of life that brings us comfort and joy and that challenges us to love our neighbors more deeply. But all too often I see religion used as a weapon to oppress people. Or I see Christianity spouting a message of fear as if God's just looking for the slightest misstep because he can't wait to punish us for our wrongs. Or I see churches that become so absorbed with being big and successful and fancy and important that they fail to actually care for their people or the neighborhoods where they're housed. And we as individuals do it too. We start to think that living a life of faith is all about the number of Bible pages that we read each day or the number of prayers that we say or the number of dollars that we put in the offering plate. We use these metrics to either puff ourselves up and look down on others, or when things don't go as we planned and we can't read the Bible as much or give as generously as we'd like, we suddenly are left feeling unworthy and ashamed and embarrassed. None of this is the way Jesus wants us to live. In the gospel, Jesus goes as far as to say that he's going to tear the temple down. This most holy house of worship, Jesus is going to tear it down because even the temple itself is a distraction from real relationship with God. It's the temple of Jesus' body that's most important of all. Shut down all the other stuff and instead discover a real relationship with God. Stop worrying about getting all the rules just right. Stop worrying about how well you're doing your religion. Stop focusing on the lifeless temple building and instead focus on the incarnate Son of God. When we turn our faith into a laundry list of do's and don'ts, we're no better off than the Israelites in Egypt. But when we shut that all down and start over with Jesus, we will discover a life that is altogether different, altogether new, a life that is whole and complete and in tune with our Creator. Shut down all your worries about making yourself right in the eyes of God. 
Shut down that voice in your head that says that you're not doing enough. Shut down this need you have to be successful and important and in control and right. Shut down all these ideas you have about the ways things should be. Shut it down and start over, Jesus says. Stop turning a relationship with God into a marketplace of transactions. Shut it down and start over with me, Jesus says. Start over with me and I will show you what a relationship with God can really look like. Amen. Amen. Amen.